Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church Podcast. Here you'll find archived all of our previous messages dating back to late 2020. Our hope is that today's message would be encouraging to your walk with Christ. We also want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get to it. Have you ever prayed that prayer before? I want to start out with some encouragement tonight and sort of give you the bottom line of the message before we dive into it. Genesis chapter 30. Genesis chapter 30. God can bless our mess. God is the God of resurrection. We bring to him our weakness. He gives us his strength. We often make a mess out of things. And the story of Jacob, as we have seen time and time again, and by the way, the story of Isaac, and by the way, yes, even the story of Abraham reminds us that God uses broken people, fractured families, messy marriages, but God can bless our mess. And that's what we stand in by faith tonight. It's the grace of God, the God of resurrection. Hebrews chapter 4.15 reminds us, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are yet without sin. The Bible tells us that Jesus knows that we are dust, that he can relate to the struggles that we have, not because he has failed, he has not failed, not because he has, has struggled with sin the way that we have struggled. He never gave in. Nevertheless, he was tempted in every area, just like we're tempted in every area. That verse doesn't mean that he faced every single exact same temptation that every single one of us faces. But what it does mean is that in every area of life, just as we are tempted, he also was tempted like as we are yet without sin. And so he can empathize and sympathize and relate to the struggles that we have. He didn't fall, but he understands why we do. He didn't struggle with temptation the way that fallen people who have sinned struggle with it. But nevertheless, he still struggled and dealt with temptation. And Romans 8 reminds us that because Jesus Christ was a sinless sacrifice, and because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that we have that hope when we confess our sin, when we accept our Savior, when we acknowledge that Jesus died for us, He rose again, we ask Him to forgive us, to save us, He saves us, He transforms us, we receive His Holy Spirit. And Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. If you are a child of God, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. That's why you can't sin and sin and sin without conviction. It's why you can't sin and sin and sin without God's discipline. Because when I sin, the Spirit who lives inside of me grieves when I sin. 
and I feel that grief. And sometimes I try to drown it out because I don't want to hear it. And sometimes I want to pretend that, that I'm happy in my sin and that I'm okay with my sin. But the Holy Spirit is right there to remind me that God is not happy with my sin. But He's also there to remind me that just as He raised Christ from the dead, He can give me victory. He can give me life. He can give me freedom from the temptations that I struggle with. As Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12, we need to set aside not only the sins that entangle us, but the weights that beset us. And we're able to do that by the power of the Spirit. And armed with that knowledge, as we saw last week, he, uh, Romans, excuse me, Romans 8.28 goes on to say, same chapter, powerful chapter, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Just as the Holy Spirit is able to bring life into our mortal bodies, just as He's able to give us victory over the sin within us, so also is He able to give us victory over the sin around us. Freedom from the sin around us. Now, He doesn't take us out of the world yet. When He takes you out of the world, you'll know. He, that's when He calls you home. Or hopefully the day is coming soon when He calls us all, we all go together, right? Amen? And we, we all go together to meet the Lord in the air. But nevertheless, in the trials, in the struggle, He carries us out. And we know that all things work together for good. God can take the evil that men do to us, the, the evil that is brought against us, and He can work even those evil things for our own good. Now, as we come to Genesis chapter 30, we have seen Jacob, after working for his uncle Laban, you would think that he could trust his own family. He's been working for Laban for seven years in order to marry his cousin Rachel, who he dearly loves. He fell in love with her right away. And he's worked seven years to, to get the right to, to earn the, the, the dowry, the down payment to be able to marry her. And of course, his uncle tricks him and brings in her sister, probably twin sister. We can't know that for sure. That's history, not divine revelation. But the historical record says that these were twin sisters. Uh, Leah's problem was that she had bad eyesight and it affected uh, her uh, quality of life. It, it affected her um, likelihood to be able to win a mate. And so Laban pulls the switcheroo on Jacob and Jacob ends up working another seven years. He, he agrees to stay married to Leah, but he works another seven years so that he can marry Rachel. And so now he finds himself married to two women. And as we saw last week, it just gets messier than that because Leah begins to have children and Rachel resents it. And so, so she brings forth her handmaiden and, and Jacob has two sons by the handmaiden. And then Rachel brings in her handmaiden and he has two sons by her handmaiden. So he's got two wives and two surrogate wives. So he's got four women and he's having all these kids. Finally, after six boys and one girl to Leah, after two boys to Bilhah, after two boys to Zilpah, now he is with his wife, Rachel, and she has the son who's going to change his life. And that's a child by the name of Joseph. 
And Joseph is born. And when we enter into the story, something about the birth of Joseph changed Jacob's perspective. It changed his life. It certainly wasn't his first kid. This is number 12. 11, his, his 11th son is 12th child. And yet it is at this time in his life that God is going to begin to work again from the inside. God has been working on the outside. Now God is going to again begin working uh, or renew working on the inside. And so tonight as we look at Jacob and building a house of faith, we're going to look in chapter 30 at a new betrayal and how God uses the evil of his uncle what his uncle intended against him, God is going to use as a way to bless him. And so look with me in chapter 30, verse 25 at Jacob's request. Well, let's back up verse 24 again. He, she, Rachel, called his name, her son Joseph, and said, the Lord shall add to me another son. In other words, she named him uh, a name that meant that he was not going to be the only child. He was not going to be the last child. She was believing by faith that there would be another child after Joseph. And it came to pass, verse 25, when Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said unto his uncle Laban, send me away that I may go unto mine own place and to my country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served thee and let me go for thou knowest my service, which I have done thee. Again, Joseph's birth was a turning point in Jacob's life in more ways than one. His relationship with God is now about to accelerate. It's been idling. It hasn't, it's never shut off, but it's been idling. Someone asked me yesterday about what happens when a Christian backslides. Is a Christian still saved when he or she backslides? If they are truly saved, if they're truly a child of God, they remain a child of God. But God will discipline them. God will bring his discipline into their life. As I, I, don't, I don't like the phrase once saved, always saved. I like the phrase once forgiven, always forgiven. God is not going to unforgive you of your sins. Uh, he already knew what you were going to do when he saved you. Nevertheless, God does promise us he promises us that because He loves us, when we sin, He will discipline us. And Hebrews, again, Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that when God brings discipline into our life, we're not to disregard His discipline and pretend it's not happening. We're not to forget about it. Nor are we to feel like God's discipline means He does not love us anymore. Quite the contrary. It is evidence that He loves us. That unsettledness in our heart that lack of peace in our heart when we are living in a lifestyle sin is evidence that God's Holy Spirit does not he loves us too much to let us find peace in our sin and so he will continue to work and to work and to work and sin will continue to make us miserable oh sure it's pleasurable for a season but it can never give us peace it continues as the Holy Spirit works it continues to bring conviction it continues to bring shame and and a struggle and and Hebrews 12 says if you're not having that if you're not experiencing that if, if God's not disciplining you it's because you're not truly saved it's because you're an illegitimate child of God you're not one who is truly saved you might have prayed a prayer you might as you know repeat after me say this say that 
but you never truly understood with your own mind that you were placing your faith in the death and resurrection of God the Son for your salvation. That you are trusting in Jesus' payment for your sin and His resurrection for your eternal life. And you made that decision by faith to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. And so we see that Jacob for a long time, 20 years, 20 years, there hasn't been this dialogue with God. God told him, I'm going to bless you and go. And then Jacob has been running in his own, his own strength and running by his own steam. God's still been blessing him. There's still evidence of Jacob's faith, but he hasn't really been growing in his faith. Sometimes people can be in, in neutral, stuck in neutral for a long time. But God is going to make sure they're still moving. You know, your vehicle will, will still move if it's in neutral. Unless it's on a very flat plane. Even if it's on a flat surface, you put your car in neutral. It just takes a little bit of a bump, a little bit of a nudge. And you can start to see some movement. So Jacob now, with Joseph's birth, God is beginning to work and accelerate his faith. And, you, you know, this is a... We'll, we'll, Lord willing, as we go farther into the series, we're going to see this more and more, but... Joseph is going to get to experience the fatherhood of someone who is growing in their faith. And the tragedy is that his older brothers and his older sister, Dinah, didn't, didn't get that Joseph. I mean, excuse me, didn't get that Jacob. They didn't get the same Jacob that Joseph is going to get. And the fruit of that is going to be evident in how God works in Joseph's life. Now, Joseph is still going to go through his own pruning and his own in his own discipline because jo Joseph has a little bit of a pride issue at the beginning. Well, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but. His brothers didn't enjoy a father with a growing faith the way that Joseph and Benjamin are going to get to enjoy that. And, and that's going to play out. And so I just want to remind you that that when we are stuck in neutral in our faith when we're not really growing it doesn't mean we're not saved but it does mean there are there are oftentimes consequences uh, that our family has to suffer because of that Jacob's request in verses 25 and 26 and this, listen though to Laban's rebuttal in the next two verses verse 27 Laban said unto him I pray thee if I have found favor in thine eyes tarry for I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake and he said, appoint me thy wages and I will give it. God blesses his children. And oftentimes those blessings will have a collateral effect. We, we talk about collateral damage. You know, if, if uh, the military uh, has a missile strike somewhere and there's collateral damage, there's a lot of talk about, oh, the collateral damage. The, the people who were injured that were not intended to be injured or the, uh, the missile that went off course, the collateral damage. But, you know, there are collateral blessings as well. And many times people who are not saved and people even who are wicked like Laban can find themselves under the umbrella of God's blessing when it's God's man or God's woman that's holding that umbrella and they happen to be under that umbrella. For example, you can have an ungodly employer, an ungodly business owner,
but they can experience tremendous blessing when they have a believer who is working for them or working for that company and God is blessing that believer. There can be a, 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 a splash blessing effect that takes place. And that's what's happening here in Laban. By the way, that's, that happens in a lot of Christian homes where that, that happens in a lot of churches, a lot of good churches where, where men and women are, are men and women of prayer, where God is answering prayer and God, are, and God is blessing. And there are some times when an ungodly family member or an ungodly church member, they experience the blessings of, of answered prayer. They experience the blessings of being in a family with a praying mom or a praying dad or a praying grandparent. And it doesn't mean that God is okay with their sin. It just means that they happen to be under that umbrella. But woe to them the moment they really get out from underneath the umbrella. And, and in fact, this isn't popular. But God tells us as a church, sometimes we're to push people from out from underneath the umbrella. Paul says, of a man who was living in sexual sin, unrepentant, he says, church, you guys have been tolerating that. And this guy is experiencing the blessings that God has given to your church. And he says, you guys need to deliver him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. Why? Because we want to see him hurt. No, no, no. So that his soul might be saved. Because right now he's not experiencing the consequences of his sin. You guys are protecting him from the consequences of his sin. He's not going to repent unless he begins to feel the consequences, unless he begins to feel the heat, unless he sees just how evil and destructive his sin is. And the hope is that when he sees that and when he starts to drink the bitter cup of his own sin, that he will repent. And by the way, that's exactly what happened. And then when the guy repented and tried to come back to church, the church was saying, no, 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 you're too sinful for us. And Paul says, what are you guys doing? Mission accomplished. He repented. Bring him back. Welcome him back. Be love on him again. Bring him back under that umbrella. So God wants us to get under the umbrella, but God wants us to recognize that that blessing that we enjoy, it might be because God is blessing somebody else. It, God, will, God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you as an individual. Sometimes, though, we experience mama's blessings or dad's blessings or brother or sister's blessings. And Laban here has been experiencing the blessing of Jacob. Now, there's a phrase in this verse that tells us just how wicked Laban is, and you don't see it in English because it's translated out. But the word that is in Hebrew that is used in the King James, it says, um, I have learned, I have learned by experience. That's a Hebrew word. It's the Hebrew word for serpent. And what it literally means is I have serpented. Say, so what does that mean? Well, we're going to find out in the next cha chapter that Laban was very fond of his household idols. It means that Laban had consulted through occult means where this blessing was come from. And the spirits that he was consulting told him that the reason that he was being blessed was because Jehovah God was blessing, the one true God was blessing Jacob. See, Jacob is not living in a Christian environment. Jacob is not living in a Christian home. 
Jacob is living in a pagan environment, in a pagan home, under the authority of a man who is practicing paganism. And we see that in the Hebrew here. We'll see it clearly even in the English translation when we get into chapter 31 and we talk about the household idols, which we'll get to, Lord willing, next week. But Laban reveals himself to be a pagan, and he says, listen, I want you to stay because I know I'm being blessed because you're working for me. And I want to keep getting the blessings that God is pouring out on you. Isn't it sad that rather than seeing how God was blessing Jacob, rather than repenting and trying to get God's blessing directly, he thinks, I can, I can use this blessing. Oh, I know God's blessing you, but I don't want to have anything to do with your God, but I, I want to use the blessings of God. Now, I, I wonder if this is why in Abraham's wisdom, remember months ago we saw that Abraham would not let Isaac go back to Haran. He said, no, 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 you're not going back. To, you're, you're not leaving Canaan to find a woman. You're not mature enough to leave. Because Abraham understood by God's uh, wisdom that he had given him that if Isaac went back into this pagan environment, remember Abraham, the Bible tells us Abraham's own father, Terah, was an idol worshiper. Abraham says, I don't want you going back to my family. I don't want you going back and getting a woman from, from where I grew up because they're pagans. They, they worship the demon gods back there. They worship idols. And so he wouldn't let his own son Isaac go back there to find a wife. But now Jacob has gone. But see, Jacob has gone at the direction of God with the protection of God. And so he, we're going to see that even in that environment, even in that environment, God is going to work in his life. And so Jacob's response is in verse 29. Listen to what Jacob said. And he, Jacob, said unto him, Laban, thou knowest how I have served thee and how thy cattle was with me. For it was little which thou hast before I came, and it is now increased into a multitude. And the Lord hath blessed thee since my coming. And now when shall I provide for mine own house also? And he said, what shall I give thee? Laban said, what do you want? What do you want to stay? And Jacob said, thou shalt not give me anything. If thou wilt do this thing for me, I will again keep and feed thy flock. I will pass through all thy flock today, removing from thence all the speckled and spotted cattle and all the brown cattle among the sheep and the spotted and the speckled among the goats. And of such shall be my hire. So shall my righteousness answer for me in time to come. When it shall come for my hire before thy face, everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats, and brown among the sheep, that shall be counted stolen with me. In other words, he says, look, you know most of your flock has grown and prospered since you brought me on. 20 years ago, you didn't have hardly anything, Laban. You just had a small flock. And since God brought me here 20 years ago, now you have more, more flock than you know what to do with. So here's what I'm going to, you don't need to give me any of the best. I don't want your, I don't want your wages and I don't want your best. Just give me the few that are flawed. Just give me the few that appear on the outside to be weak, to be flawed, to be different. Give me the aberrations. And whatever is born, that's an aberration. You give that to me. All of the purebreds, all of the ones with the beautiful white coats or the beautiful black coats, all of those, you keep those for yourself. I don't want those. In fact, if you find one of those in my herds, then you can accuse me of being a thief. 
but I'll just take everything that is visually flawed and that will testify to my righteousness before you. See, Jacob has understood something. He has not been walking closely with God, but here's what he has not forgotten and here's what he has has, uh, uh, remembered. He remembers that God's blessings follow our obedience. God's blessings follow our obedience. God's one, God wants to bless you. Sometimes we, like I just said, sometimes we're enjoying God's blessing because it's the people we're around. Because God's blessing our spouse or God's blessing our parents or God's blessing our church. And so we're getting to experience some of those answered prayers and we're getting to experience some of that blessing. But God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you as an individual child of God. But the only way he's going to do that is if he can trust you with those blessings. And the only way that's going to happen is if you show your obedience. And so Jacob says, I want to show my testimony. I'm going to be righteous. I'm I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And I want you, you can check check up on me. And Jacob agrees. Or he appears to. Listen to what happens with Jacob's, or excuse me, Laban's racket in verse 35. And he, Laban, after he said, I'll do it according to thy word, verse 75, and he removed that day the he-goats that were ring-straked and spotted and all the she-goats that were speckled and spotted and everyone that had some white in it and all the brown among the sheep. And he gave them into the hands of his sons and he set three days' journey betwixt himself and Jacob. And Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. In other words, now, Laban's a con man. He's a liar. He's a manipulator. And Jacob has been under his authority and under his control, really, For 20 years now. God's going to let you go through some things. God's going to let you go through some trials. God's going to allow you to be treated unfairly. Did not his own son experience that more than any of us could ever imagine? Did not Christ himself experience what it's like to be rejected and treated unfairly? God's going to let you be treated unfairly. He's going to let you be in that job for a while. He's going to let you... Be under that authority, that oppressive authority for a while. God's going to let his church, I fear, go through some hard times in our country for a while to see who's really on the Lord's side and who's really going to be obedient and who's really going to trust God. For 20 years, he's been under this man's authority. And here comes Laban and he agrees to the terms. And then the first thing he does is he says, hey, hey. Get my boys, get my boys. Guys, we're giving all of the uh, flawed flocks to Jacob. So I want you to find all of the ones that are flawed and you take them three days journey away from here and we're going to separate them. So like, like Jacob didn't know, like, like Jacob didn't know. I mean, he's the, he's the head shepherd, right? You don't think he's going to miss all those flock? You don't think he's going to miss that? That all of those animals that he's already seen are gone all of a sudden? He says, I'm going I'm to move them three days away from here so he can't claim them for his own because, oh, oh, they're not my sheep anymore. They're my sons. Sorry. Sorry, Jacob. We, we agreed on my sheep, not my son's sheep. So he gave all of those sheep to his sons, puts them three days ahead. And now what does Jacob do? What is Jacob's response after Laban reveals his character. By the way, never trust a liar. You've heard it said, fool me once, shame on you. 
Fool me twice, shame on me. If someone proves himself to be a liar, stop listening to them. Stop trusting them. I don't care if they have letters behind their name. I don't care if they're a person that you like to watch on TV or a person with a lot of political power or influence. If they're a liar, stop trusting them. The more you, the more you trust a liar, the more they're going to lie to you. And so here's Laban who's been manipulating and controlling. He's proven himself a liar. And here he is. He lies again. And so what does Jacob do after Laban reveals his character? Well, before we look at what Jacob does, let me remind you what God's going to do. Because that's what really matters. Isaiah chapter 3, verse 10 says, Say ye to the righteous that it shall be well with him, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. You let God worry about that. You let, when you are treated unfairly, you let God keep record. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. You let God deal with that. Because He keeps perfect record. And He will hold all of us to account. Isaiah 54, 17, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is not just the promise to Israel. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. If your righteousness is given to you by Jesus Christ because you've trusted in Him for your salvation, you're not trusting in your own righteousness, you're trusting in His righteousness that He's given to you by His grace received through faith, then your righteousness is from God and God has promised that I will not allow any weapon formed against you, any tongue that rises in false accusation against you to prosper. He doesn't say they're not going to be against us. He's not going to say you're never going to get... He, he does not say you'll never get attacked. He doesn't say you'll never get slandered. He doesn't say you'll never be under opposition or under pressure. He says it will never prosper. It will happen. It's coming. Don't be shocked when somebody tells a lie about you or when there is an enemy attacking you. We're told that we have an enemy attacking. We have principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. We have all, all kinds of opposition. But we have the promise that if we are strong in the Lord and the power of His might, we will stand in the evil day and those weapons will not prosper. And so Jacob takes his revenge. Now, he doesn't take his revenge in violence. He doesn't take his revenge in violence. But what he notice what he does here. This is... Um, let's just say unusual what, what he does. And so picking it up in verse 37, and Jacob, when he saw that all of the, of the flock that he had been promised were gone, and he knew the nature of his uncle, Jacob took him rods of green poplar and the hazel and chestnut tree, piled white uh, strakes in them, made the white appear which was in the rods. And he set the rods which he had Pilled before the flocks and the gutters and the watering troughs when the flocks came to drink that they should conceive when they came to drink. And the flocks conceived before the rods and brought forth cattle, ring strake, speckled and spotted. And Jacob did separate the lambs and set the face of the flocks toward the ring strake and all the brown in the flocks of Laban. He put his own flocks by themselves and put them not unto Laban's cattle. And so it came to pass when whosoever the stronger cattle did conceive that Jacob laid the rods before the eyes of the cattle in the gutters that they might conceive among the rods. But when the cattle were feeble, he put them not in. So the feebler were Laban's, 
and the stronger were Jacob's. And the man increased exceedingly. Jacob increased exceedingly. In the Hebrew, it says very, very. You know, Jesus would sometimes say, verily, verily, I say unto thee. That's a, 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 a Hebrew form of speech, which means I'm going to repeat it to show you how much this is true. Well, when the Hebrew word very is repeated, it's the same idea. I want to, Moses is trying to communicate to you. Moses is saying, I want you to understand that he was blessed beyond his expectation when he did this. Now, he's not, he's not cheating. He's not stealing. He is working within. He's, he's, deal, he's playing the, the hand he's been dealt is what he's doing. He's working within the limits that he's been given. But he's shrewd about it. Jesus said, I want you to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We're good at being harmless as doves sometimes. We're not always good as Christians being real smart and being real shrewd and being wise as serpents. We've got to be both. And so we've got to deal with the hand. Many times we've got to deal with the hand that we're dealt. So that's what Jacob does, and he does it wisely. Now, interestingly enough, in his revenge, he is employing what we would today call superstition. Because remember, he's in a pagan environment, and sometimes even... Uh, good Christians can get influenced by pagan thinking and by pagan practices. And, and there was this idea that um, you can uh, impact the birth of, of a child, even the birth of an animal child, uh, by what you show to the parents when that child is being conceived. And that will influence how the child is born. Now, it was a pagan idea. And he's implementing a pagan idea. Remember, Remember the whole Mandrake story, which we talked about last week? Again, that, that pagan influence, he was being influenced by his pagan culture. Nevertheless, nevertheless, even though he was imperfect, even though his faith was messy, even though his faith was not ideal, God still saw his faith. And God still honored his faith. And God's not expecting you to be perfect. He is expecting you to be faithful. He's expecting you to trust him. He wants you to be obedient. Don't, make, don't, don't misunderstand. But he understands that we're not always going to get it right. We're not always going to do it perfectly. He's not looking for perfection. He is perfection. He is looking for faithfulness and obedience. And so what happens as Jacob is blessed and blessed and blessed? Look at chapter 32, or excuse me, chapter 31, verses 1 and 2. And he, Laban, heard the words of Laban's son, saying, Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's, and of that which was our father's hath he gotten all this glory. And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not toward him as before. See, Laban is now growing resentful Rather than seeking God's blessing himself, he's tried to manipulate God's blessing. And in so doing, he's been mocking God. He's been trying to manipulate God. Oh, God's going to bless Jacob? Fine, I can use that to my own advantage. And for a while, God allowed him to do it. God's going to allow you to get away with things for a while. God's not going to jump right, God's not going to jump right down with the consequences right away. That credit card bill doesn't come right away. You can go 
you can work that plastic. But eventually that bill is going to show up. And you're going to go, I don't remember buying that. I don't remember buying that. How did it get my word? I don't remember. You, uh, pay, payday's coming. I mean, right? I mean, and I'm not talking about the payday you're getting. I'm talking about the payday you're given. You're going to have to pay the, you're going to have to pay the piper eventually. And so God is not going to allow the wicked to prosper forever. And so Laban is now beginning to resent the one that he should have been imitating. Did he not realize that if God is blessing Jacob and I want to get in on that blessing for myself, that maybe I should bless Jacob instead of trying to manipulate him? Then maybe I should bless him because God has said, I will bless those who bless thee and I will curse those who curse thee. And so Laban said, no, 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 I'm going to work this. I'm going to work this deal myself. And God said, you don't mock me. You don't mock me. What you sow, Laban, you will reap. And so the sons are saying, where's all our sheep going? Where, where's all our flock? All of this wealth that we thought we were going to inherit, it's all evaporating. Jacob's stealing it. Jacob is the problem. Jacob is the reason that we're moving from prosperity to poverty. And Laban begins to listen to his sons and his heart becomes jealous. And he's going to turn on the cash cow. He's going to kill the, the, the golden hen. He's going to let Jacob and all of his blessing depart from his house. This is what happened in King Saul's heart when he allowed jealousy. Rather than repenting when God was blessing David, King Saul allowed uh, jealousy to control him and to reign in his heart. And so let's look just briefly at Jacob's rescue. The noose is beginning to get uncomfortable again around Jacob's neck. But God has not forgotten about Jacob. And so in verse 3, the Lord said unto Jacob, now it's time to go. Return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. Now he tried to go before, and his uncle didn't let him go. But see, God hadn't told him to go then. Sometimes we, oh, we want to get ahead of the Lord. We want to get ahead of God. We're, we're impatient by nature. We want to get ahead of God. When it was God's time, God made the way. And if we try to go before God, if, he, if, if God would have allowed him to go before God had given him all that blessing, it would have been a whole different, it would have been a whole different struggle for Jacob. God kept him where he was. God blessed him exceedingly, and when the heat started to turn up again, then God said, okay, now it's time. Now it's time. Time for you to go. Return into the land of thy fathers, to thy kindred. I will be with thee. I will be with thee. You don't have to be afraid of your uncle. and You don't have to be afraid of your brother, because I'm with you. And so Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field unto his flock. And he said unto them, I see your father's countenance that it is not toward me as before, but the God of my father hath been with me. 
And you know that with all my power I have served you. He says, ladies, you know how hard of work I am. I, I'm not lazy. You know I've been, I've been a worker. Now this is a man, remember 20 years before, he, he lived in the kitchen. This is a man before he lived in the house. And God has taken 20 years and he has allowed Jacob to turn into a hard-working, family-providing, dedicated father, dedicated husband, not perfect husband, but dedicated, hard-working. And he says, your, your father, my uncle, his countenance has turned, but God's been with me. You know that all my power have served your father, and your father hath deceived me, and he changed my way. Now, here's, here's part of the story we didn't get, but this is uh, Paul Harvey's rest of the story, right? Ten times, God is my witness. Ten times your father has changed my wages. Reminds me of Darth Vader when he said to uh, Lando Calrissian, I am altering the deal. Pray that I don't alter it further. That was Laban. Laban was Darth Vader in Jacob's life. I'm altering the deal, by the way. Yeah, he's not a man of his word. He's not trustworthy. And so... Verse 9, let's jump down to verse 9. Thus God hath taken away the cattle of your father and given them to me, and it came to pass at the time the cattle conceived, I lifted up mine eyes, and I saw in a dream, and behold, the rams which leaped upon the cattle were ring-straked, speckled, and grizzled, and the angel of God spake unto me in a dream, saying, Jacob, and I said, here, I, here am I. Now, now what, what he's saying is, I haven't heard God speak to me for 20 years, but I had a dream. And God spoke to me again the way he did 20 years ago. And he said, Jacob, your little, your little ritual that you're doing with the cattle, you're wasting all that energy because you're not the one who's giving the increase. I've been working behind the scenes. I'm the one who's been giving the increase. I'm the reason that you're getting so much cattle. I, verse 13, I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar, and where thou vowest a vow unto me. Now arise, get thee out from this land, and return unto the land of thy kindred. Let's stop there for tonight with this. It's been 20 years since you anointed that rock. Jacob, I want you to remember what you did. I want you to remember what you said to me. I want you to remember what I've done and what I've been doing and how I've kept all my promises to you for 20 years. You weren't walking with me real well, but I kept my promises. You haven't been doing so great. You've been trying to fix things yourself again, Jacob, but I've kept all my promises. I want you to remember the agreement we made 20 years ago. Is there something that has happened in your past, some encounter that you've had with God in the past? Maybe back to the day you were saved. Maybe a day you rededicated your life. And you kind of let that slide. You've kind of been forgetting about it. Is God speaking to you tonight saying, I want you to remember the, whatever your rock was, whatever your Bethel was, wherever that was, I want you to remember. I want you to remember what I promised you. I want you to remember what you promised me. I've been keeping my end of the bargain. And I'm going to continue to keep it. And Jacob, when you put your name in there, we're about to accelerate your growth in the faith. 
If God had that conversation with you tonight, would you be ready to accelerate? You'd be ready to up the, up the ante and grow at a new rate with God? That's what's going to happen with Jacob. Remember where we've been, because you're going to like where we're going. What would your answer be? God is a God of rescue. When we're in trouble, cry out to him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your faithfulness to Jacob. We thank you, God, that you can bless the mess of our lives, of our family situations, of our work struggles, of our church struggles. God, we are so thankful to you, God, for what you can and will do. And so, God, help us to follow in the footsteps of Jacob. And God, realize that you are the same God that Jacob serves, that Jacob is alive and well with you today. You are not, I was the God of Jacob. You are today the God of Jacob. And you're the God of all who place their faith and trust in you, God. We ask, God, as we enter our prayer prayer time, that you would, uh, God, uh, be listening and would answer each of these requests that we lift up according to your will and for your glory. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I asked the uh, uh, Butch to bring the youth over. In, in a little bit, we're going to have a, a, a time of prayer um, f- specifically for our youth pastor search and for our church. Um, so we will do that before we close. But uh, I want to uh, begin with the request that you have. Uh, Steve, did you have an update on uh, your pastor friend and his... Um, the accident he was in. Sophia, they don't know if the doctors were, were able to wake her up yet, so they're going to wait till Friday and try to wake her up. My dad still has double vision and all, and the doctor report last week is saying there's just going to be a slow process with that. So that's all we have. And then Troy uh, um, had a good report, but um, they don't know what's causing his um, lymph nodes to um, swell or get large. But okay. Okay. Dave? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, this evening as we come together to uh, uh, gather together in your house this evening and, and to uh, bring our request to you at this part of our service, Lord, we just pray for the uh, all the uh, issues that uh, Steve has been uh, bringing to us regarding the uh, the pastor whose son was in the, the bad accident. And Father, we just pray for the one that's uh, not been able to wake up that they would, Father. And Lord, we just lift uh, Pastor Denny to you and his vision problems. And, Lord, uh, just every other uh, aspect of this uh, request that Steve's been uh, keeping us uh, abreast of, Lord. You know the details, Father, and we pray, Lord, that you would uh, br- bring a good end to, to this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Beth. All right, we'll start with Butch, and then we'll go to Beth. I just want to... I mean, I need to have prayer for my son. Uh, he's his knee is doing better, but he's still in the academy. Uh, but uh, I, there's uh, there's something else I want to mention tonight. I just want to say how blessed I am to have this group of young adults in my life. They're not all here, but I am blessed. I can see God working in their lives, and I can see God working in my lives through them. Uh, they're really they teach me a lot of times and because uh, I'm not up with their technology at all <laughs> uh, and but I am so blessed to have them 
uh, in my life. I thank you guys for allowing me to be a part of your life. I just want to say thank you, okay? And I do pray for them. I pray for them individually. I let them know if I have their phone that I'm praying for them and text them and tell them that I'm praying for them. Uh, and uh, I just want to say that God has blessed me this week. And in the past week, I've been blessed to lead two young men to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And you talk about a blessing. It just, I'm, I mean, I've been overwhelmed uh, with uh, joy. Uh, I just can't tell you enough how grateful I am that God still uses an old wretched man, an old <laughs> wretched man like me. Uh, and I just uh, am so thankful for that. But I had a young lady ask me f- to pray for her tonight, and I'm going to do that now. And that's Sandy. And so I'm going to pray. Father, we just come to you. Uh, Lord, thanking you that we have a God that hears us. Lord, your word says all things whatsoever we ask in prayer, believing we can receive. Lord, and I'm, a, I'm praying for my sister, Sandy, here tonight. Lord, I'm lifting her up to you. Lord, uh, she still uh, has a lot of loneliness and emptiness, Lord, uh, of the loss of her husband. Uh, Lord, I pray, Father God, uh, that you would fill her void. Lord, we know that death is a, is a wound uh, in the heart of those that are still around, Lord, and it's a it's a bloody wound. It's only a wound that you can heal. Uh, we know, God, that it's an empty spot in our heart that only you can fill. And so, Lord, I ask you, Lord, to bless her and help her through these trying times in her life. She's faithful, Lord. She's here. And so just for that, even for that reason, Lord, I ask you to bless her. Uh, Lord. That's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior and you'd like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. If you've never joined us in person, we have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service at 6.30 p.m., and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. We also have opportunities for our students to gather. The youth group for grades 6 through 12 meets at 6 o'clock p.m. on Sundays, and our WANA program for 6th grade and under meets at 6.15 p.m. on Wednesdays. Again, we thank you for joining us today, and we hope to see you soon. But until next time, stay faithful.